Yo, yo, yo. Welcome back to another episode of Island Spot Sports. And before we get to our guest today, we have a big shout out for Living Sisu. Living Sisu is a platform and app that wants to give you all the tools to have success in your sport. Their main objective is to activate your lifestyle. So for active, it's for active people. Enjoy discounts at, at companies like BioSteel, 30% off, BodyLogics, the Goalie Guild, all his books are discounted. Roan, Lululemon for men, 20% off. Online stretching programs with Eccentrics, one full month free. They got super silent massage guns, 20% off those. And it's a great quality. It's way less expensive than a Theragun. And it's a great, it's great quality. So there's so many more discounts that you guys will need to just become a member to see. So they want to provide you with anything you need for success. So come join the community. I'm a part of it. A bunch of other athletes are a part of it. So it's free to join. It takes 20 seconds to have to get exclusive offers to your sport. And it's definitely worth worth it. So do do us a huge favor and go sign up for Living Sisu's membership. It's free, 20, takes 20 seconds. So go do it and we'll see you there. Living Sisu is a great company. We uh, we know one of the co-founders, Zach Fricali. He's a great guy. He uh, He's the co-founder and he does a lot of live streams on Instagram at, uh, at Living Sisu. And with a bunch of elite athletes and you learn a lot from like the athletes determination the resiliency everything to what me made them become successful so it's been a great experience so far so go on i'm gonna leave uh the link in the description so uh go sign up Yo, welcome back to another episode of On the Spot Sports. I'm Jack. In today's episode, we are joined by a very special guest, professional hockey player Terrence Wallen. Terrence most recently played in the ECHL with the Maine Mariners. He also spent some time in, up in the AHL with the Hartford Wolfpack and Binghamton Devils and started his professional career in the SPHL in the Southern Professional Hockey, hockey League with the Peoria Rivermen. Wally also played four years of college hockey with UMass Lowell and also spent some time playing AAA and prep hockey. Terrence is also one of the co-hosts for a podcast called Stall Stories, which is a great show, by the great show, by the way. So welcome to the show, Terrence Wallen. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah, no problem. So Wally, how have you been? Like things have been crazy with everything going on. And you just recently picked up a gig with a hockey program. So like, how's everything going? Yeah. So uh, obviously COVID kind of put a dent in the uh, hockey career and, um, it's been, it's been a long year, but it's been really good for me. Um, I run evolution hockey camps up here in Maine. Uh, something I started about three years ago. Um, and through COVID I did a lot of zoom stuff, a lot of teaching stuff with kids and, uh, stuff like that. And then a youth, a youth program reached out to me asking if I would be their skill, skill development guy. Um, and that was something that really intrigued me. I would, I loved the idea of getting involved with the program. Uh, and then another thing led one thing led to another and uh, we rebranded it. Now we have the main evolution youth program, which is a couple tier two teams, tier three house. Uh, but it's been really fun. We like I got to customize all the jerseys and do all that. So without COVID, I don't have this youth program that I'm ki- kind of dove two feet in with. Yeah. It's so like what like drove your curiosity to do like all these camps and everything and then just to develop even like the rebranding further and just everything within the past year. So uh, I, I started doing camps because um, out of college, uh, when you're playing in the minors, uh, you, you need something to do in the summer. So I reached out to a guy uh, in Massachusetts. His name's Eddie Hill. Uh, he played overseas. He played in the AHL. Uh, he was in the Boston Bruins system for a while. Um, but he kind of gave me a chance and he, I came in as, I had never run anything uh, up until I was like 20, 23, 24. And he gave me a chance to really start to run my own skates. He gave me a lot of, in, uh, my, I, I had a lot of independence uh, from him. So I ran a lot of stuff by myself and that, that one thing led to another again. And I, I started my own thing up in Maine when he moved out to Arizona and built a rink. But with the, with the youth program, I've always loved like design and stuff. Uh, so the, the E that you see, and then the main evolution logo, that's all my, me and my brother. So me and my brother kind of came up with that logo. He's kind of the, he's good on like the computer with graphic design, but it was kind of our idea together to have that E in the wings kind of symbolize 
the evolution of a player, kind of the growth, uh, if you will. So uh, it, it, it's really fun, but um, it's, it's a lot of hard work for sure. Yeah, that, that's awesome that you were able to develop all that and just like the logo and then the camps. What was it like, like the first time you started to run, be, being able to run something and just like, I'm sure that was chaotic. Yeah, it's, uh, it's scary at first when you have 20, 29 year olds out there and uh, seven of them aren't paying attention. You have four licking the glass and the other half are kind of paying attention, but uh, you, you start to, you start to grasp uh, that you're the you're running this so you need to you need to be firm you, you can't be screaming and yelling but you need to be firm and let these kids know that hey we're only out here for an hour and uh, I'm spending my time with you guys trying to get you guys to become better hockey players and um, I want you guys to enjoy youth hockey as much as I did and uh, that's kind of my focus um, with my youth programs and there's always going to be kids that are yapping or slashing each other in line or shooting pucks but uh you can you quickly realize that you can't control every kid on the ice and you just need to kind of run with what your practice plan is and kind of go through what you're set out to do yeah exactly and like an hour on the ice isn't that isn't that it may seem long but it's really not especially when you get everything going like time flies time does fly and um i i normally start my skates uh, with like 15, 20 minutes of power skating, some edge work, stuff like that, stick handling. Uh, and then we kind of hop into like three separate drills. I always have professional coaches out there, uh, guys in, front, in the main area who are playing in the AHL, ECHL, SP, Division One, Division Three. I try to get the best caliber of players to come out so these kids have somebody to look up to. Um, but yeah, the uh, the hour definitely flies. It's um, It's something that it's so crazy looking back when you play, when you're younger, uh, you're like, wow, I could stay out for like another four hours. Um, but I don't know. It's fun. It's, it's fun. Yeah, for sure. And just like, just, you could go out, be on the ice forever, but like when you have that like time, like commitment, I guess you could say with that hour, like it's, it's, it's wild how fast that goes. Yeah. You got to squeeze a lot into a little bit of time yeah exactly it's like what do you what do you do what are you going to do in the future for like are you going to continue like doing these camps and like the with the youth program like even like after your hockey career is officially over like what are you going to do with it yeah so I'll, I'll i'll always have this main evolution program uh i'll i feel like i'll always run camps and clinics up here in maine if i i just got married this past summer so uh, we'll try and set up roots here in Maine. So I feel like I have a nice base and a nice foundation where I can kind of grow this thing to a spot where uh, it becomes legitimate. And I feel like even in the, the first three years of it, it has grown exponentially, uh, which is very exciting. But um, moving forward, I, I, I want to get into coaching and I have a, uh, I have a good spot uh, ready to go once we're out of all this COVID stuff. Uh, and I'm really excited to get into the, the coaching side of things because I've always been a player. I've never seen that, that other side, but I feel like it's something that with all this, uh, the camps and the skill development stuff that I've done. And I've, I went to flyers development camp and I've seen different sides of the game. I've seen the best, I've seen the worst. So I feel like I, I, I feel like I have a good versatility in, in what I bring to the game. I've seen different avenues of everything. So I'm really excited to get into coaching here soon. Yeah, that's great. And it's going to keep growing exponentially and just be be through the roofs in the next few years. And just with that, with like everything developing even further, it's going to be going to be fun to see for sure. Yeah, it's uh, it's tough out there. Like I, I, I feel like I I'm on social media a lot and then I look on social media and there's these guys like you got Elevato too, you got uh, Hockey Think Tank with Topher Scott. These guys are all over social media and that's like a that's a full-time job, honestly. And I'm running, I'm running a couple different social media accounts and that's, it's, it's tough. It's definitely tough. Yeah, for sure. But I bet it's a ton of fun. Yeah. And the creative side of it. So like most of the, uh, not for stall stories, but the graphics that I do for main evolution and evolution hockey, that's all, like, that's all me. That's like a cool little hobby of mine that I like to do is create like little stuff, informational graphics and stuff like that yeah that's that's sick and i wanted uh since we're talking about youth hockey like you pl obviously played youth hockey it's like was youth hockey like growing up for you and just because you lived in you were born in 
in, in Yardley, Pennsylvania. So, like, what was it like growing up in Yardley? Yeah, so uh, Yardley's a pretty small town uh, outside of Philadelphia. Um, but what a lot of people don't know is, like, Philadelphia and uh, New Jersey are – pretty much the same thing. Like uh, you, you drive over a bridge five minutes from my house and I'm in New Jersey. So uh, I, when I was real young, I started in Pennsylvania. And then when I moved to uh, tier one, triple a, I played for the Mercer chiefs in Jersey, which was like a 15, 20 minute ride. Um, and I, I played with Mercer to, to, until I got recruited, I went to the USA festival camps. Uh, I made it three out of four years. And then uh, my last year was uh 17u but at, at 14u and 15u i had prep schools reaching out junior teams reaching out and i wasn't ready at the time so i waited till i was 17 uh to go to the gunnery and then i played three years there uh, i absolutely loved it uh coach chris bowder there was incredible uh we had some really good teams over my three years we probably had 20 guys go play division one um we had a bunch of guys play professional um, so we had a really good, uh, fan, it was a good family culture at, at school. Uh, our school was only 270 kids. So, uh, 25 of the kids at the school were, were hockey players. Um, so it was, a, it was a fun culture. It was a fun place to play. And then, uh, at the U 17 festival, I, I had a good festival. Um, I made the all-star game at festival camp and that's really when schools started to talk was after my first year at gunnery and after that festival camp. So I was talking, uh, uh, Boston university, I would have some random schools like Bemidji state reaching out to me, uh, Wisconsin, a lot of random Western schools that I never would have even thought of Ohio state. But then, uh, I knew I wanted to stay on the East coast. So some of those schools started to uh, reach out and that's when, uh, that's when really the recruiting process started. Yeah. So you played, you played triple A, you played junior, you played preps, like going into prep, like, what like did you have any expectations going into prep or are you just going to go with how the year went and just develop just try to see how it goes for the next years kind of to come well first off going into prep school you're you're scared right so yeah. uh it was my first time moving away from home I'm 16 maybe 17 um it's scary. You're living on your own with people that you've never met. I knew of some of the guys because a lot of guys came from the Philadelphia area, but uh, it was nerve wracking at first, but I fell in love with it right away. And uh, on the hockey side of things, I didn't really know what to expect. I knew that other guys from teams in my league, the Atlantic Youth League, uh, were going to the school. I knew they were good players. So I feel like right from that, we, we had a good core but how good is that core compared to guys in prep school? I, we have no idea. Um, so that was, that was a little weird. I, I hopped in and um, my main goal, like my main thing throughout my hockey career was just, just go to work. Like I'm never going to like, like think too much about it. I, I just kind of went to work at, at gunnery and uh, earned a spot pretty early on to play big minutes and coach Bado gave me a, a good shot to do that. Um, but yeah, I, I, going in, I wasn't like, okay, I'm going to get a division one scholarship. That was never the plan. It was just kind of taking it one step at a time and uh, going to gunnery was, it ended up being the perfect stepping stone for me to college. And then college was the stepping stone to pro. So um, going into gunnery was uh, nerve wracking, but very exciting. And it turned out to be the best possible thing for me. Yeah. I like how you said you had to take it one step at one step, one game at a time, because once you like, think about it going way too far in the future like I think you lose lose like what you should be getting out like the experiences that you should be getting out of prep hockey junior hockey college hockey whatever it is and just you just got to focus on that one that like day to day by day take it one game at a time to really like soak it all in and soak and get everything like to help your development and help develop you even further yeah for me it's something that as I, as I get a little bit older, I get into the coaching, I get into the skill development. I think it's really important to be where you are. I think looking to the next step is only going to hurt you because that's when jealousy starts to set in. That's when uh, maybe, I, I don't know, being where you are is, is really crucial, not only in your skill development, but your off ice development. It's important to um be on a team and not look to, okay, where am I playing next year? Where am I going to juniors? Where am I committing? Uh, where am I signing? Uh, I think it's important to 
be a part of that culture because in the end team success breeds individual success that's kind of always been my motto since college like without our teams being really good at UMass Lowell there's a decent chance they're unbelievable players but there's a decent chance that guys like Scott Wilson Chad Ruedel Christian Fall and Connor Hellebuck don't go on to these successful NHL careers and win Vesna trophies and win Stanley Cups because when you play on a bad team scouts aren't going to go watch as many bad teams they want to see good teams and uh, players that play on good teams yeah I think for sure so like going by like day by day game by game like going to practice like you have those some of those kids that just like goof off and just like don't take it so seriously but did were you always the guy that just go to practice to work and just take it super seriously and just focus at that practice and then then after the skate like maybe just uh just think about what you just did on the ice and then take that into the game the next next time you're on the ice uh it's it's interesting my my hockey I called it evolution hockey for a reason so um I I've kind of gone in waves like at, at gunnery uh, like in the door, like I always feel like I'm kind of not a goofball, but I like to have fun and kind of keep things light in the locker room. But then once I'm on the ice for a game, like kind of a, a flip kind of switches in me and I kind of get zoned in. But in the locker room, I'm, I'm always a vocal guy. I try to make people laugh. I try to keep things light. I don't I hate tight locker rooms. And uh, for me personally, uh, going to UMass Lowell, it was it was a little tight, like it felt like. Uh, I don't know the right way to put it, but it, it was like a very professional approach to what we were doing. Um, so in a, in an essence, I felt like I was walking on eggshells a little bit, kind of being that goofball uh, because you don't want the coach to see you be the goofball. Uh, so that was hard for me. And it's hard for, it's hard for guys. And I, we just interviewed a guy today who said that going into pro locker rooms was difficult for him because he was the young guy and you got 10 year vets in there and you don't want to be the, the jackass kind of, goofing around and then not playing well on the ice so but I, I would say in my in my pro career I always tried to keep it light in the locker room um, I always wanted to make people laugh but when there, there there's a time and place to goof off and there's a time and place to work hard so uh, when you get on the ice it's um, you work hard I, that that's what I believe my, my big thing with uh, evolution hockey is effort and attitude and if you have a good good effort good attitude I don't think much can stop you um, so that, that, that was always my thing. And uh, my pro career uh, flourished a little bit because I kind of found like that perfect medium of how to have fun, but also take it serious. Yeah, for sure. I, I like that because I'm kind of the same way. Like, just like you like to be the lighter guy, the guy that's cracking jokes with the boys in the locker room. And then you get on the ice and it's like full on serious mode. Like you guys want to do anything you, to, you can to win the game and just play play good individually as well but like th there is a time and a place to like to goof around and all that and, and jack off and all that and just to and then there's a time to be serious like you said yep yeah so then going into you your other three years like what were those other like that second year that third year at gunnery like and just helping you develop even even further than you were in the first year when you first got to gunnery so my my first year I, I had a pretty good year my my first year and I I think that's really what after my first year at gunnery that's really when like the college idea started to uh, blossom in my head I had no idea that I was going to go play college hockey at all um, the, the United States is so big and I was in one little bubble in New Jersey um, and that but then I went to Connecticut and I knew that it uh, going to prep school in, in New England was a step up and I had just played well my first season. So I, I kind of had an idea that I was, I was headed in the right direction, but year, year two and three, uh, year two was definitely our best team. We had, uh, we had Alex Fazano who played at UVM and sacred heart, Derek army who played pro he coaches for the wheeling nailers. Now we had Nick Luco who played pro for four years, flyers draft pick. We, we had tons of got tons of really, really good players. And that second year we, we got stiffed a little in the uh, selection process. We were number one and uh, a hot Avon old farms team came in at, as the eight seed. And uh, they beat us in that, in that first round matchup, but that was our best team. And then my, my senior year was a little scary. Um, because in prep school, you got to play multiple sports. So I played lacrosse my second year. 
and I uh, tore my knee up a little. So the, the second year or my third year going into gunnery hockey, um, I had an injection just to like try and make it feel fine for the season at the Christmas tournament. Uh, I tear my meniscus again, sprain my MCL or ACL, whatever, uh, get surgery. I'm out six to eight weeks. So I, I missed pretty much half of that prep school season. And, um, the coach at, at Lowell asked me if I wanted to go play juniors. And I said, no, I like, I, I would like to come right into school. Um, and I went in and had a good freshman year. So, um, yeah, you, the years kind of all blend together for me at Gunnery because it was such a good experience. Yeah, for sure. And just like, how, how do you deal with all of like the injuries you're, that year and just, you were out six, eight weeks, like you said, and just, you missed half the, half the prep seasons. Like what were your, what was your mindset throughout that time? Just trying to keep getting better and like rehabbing that injury. You're obviously down and you're, um, it's hard to fight through that, especially as a 18 year old, you're, you're scared. You don't know if your knee is ever going to feel right again. Like well, what's really going to happen. But uh, I feel like I came out of that. Um, I, I came out of the gates hot after my surgery, which kind of gave me that uh, reinvigoration and it, it reinforced that I can play at a high level and all this, but thankfully uh, by my, by my senior year, I, I had my commitment already. Um, so I kind of had that stability in the back of my mind, knowing that, um, yeah, I'm hurt, but I, I have somewhere to play already. I know my landing spot. Um, so if, if I had done that and I wasn't recruited yet, it would have been a completely different ball game. Yeah, for sure. Cause you hear about people getting players getting injured all the time and then not having a place to play the next year. And it's just a wild time, but at least you had somewhere to play and, the following year and you're able to just not stress about that and just focus on yep. having that injury and just getting back to full strength. Yep. Yeah. And, uh, I got back to full strength and l luckily a meniscus tear isn't anything super crazy. Uh, so I, like I said, I was out like six to eight weeks and, uh, actually the first game back, uh, we got to play outdoors at the Yukon football stadium against Loomis Chaffee, which was pretty, that was my goal to get back for. So that was pretty cool. Yeah. So how was that, that game and that experience of just playing outdoors? It was awesome. I mean, when you in prep school, that is the coolest thing ever. Like it's kind of, it's kind of funny how, as you go, each thing is the coolest thing. So like for me, just going to prep school was the coolest thing. And then playing in the prep school turn uh, playoff tournament was the coolest thing. And then playing outdoors at UConn was the coolest thing. And then um, going to Lowell was the coolest thing. It's, it's kind of cool how you're, your life kind of progresses like that uh in hockey but playing playing outdoors at at UConn was awesome because like the whole school was there it didn't feel packed because obviously we have a small school so does Loomis and that place seats probably 50,000 people but it was still awesome to you can hear our fans and stuff and it was it was a cold night it was perfect for hockey and then actually my uh junior year I want to say we played uh we played uh Northeastern outdoors at Fenway and that was pretty awesome yeah, throwing throwing it back to where you where you first started skating outdoors and just getting the ODRs in and just under the lights like that must have been an unreal feeling. Yeah, playing at Fenway was surreal. Like UConn didn't have the same uh, lust as Fenway Park does, you know. Uh, so like our locker room was the Red Sox batting cages. So like it's pretty cool to be like, well, this is where like Ted Williams and David Ortiz and Manny and all these guys were doing batting practice and then you're shooting in warmups and you look up and there's the green monster. So the, the only bad part about that, that day was that it was, uh, it was a little rainy. So the game wasn't that wasn't as good. Yeah. You, that, when you see uh, the green wall, the green wall, the green monster, you just got to sauce a little puck up in the stands and say, you got it, got it over the green, the green wall. Yeah. Get a, uh, get a puck mark on the monster. Oh yeah, for, for sure. So then going into your senior year, you were named captain for your team. So like how much did it mean to you to have the C on your jersey and the that leadership role that you had to take in? Yeah, like like I said, I've always been kind of a vocal guy in the locker room and stuff like that. Um and being a captain in prep school is a little different than college and all this stuff because you're so intertwined with the community in prep school. So I was well known on campus. I was a residential advisor. I ran for prefects. So I did all this stuff. Um 
and it's all stuff that makes you grow as a person. So getting the opportunity to wear that C, um, but it was, it was really special. I mean, I love that school to death and I still donate and I still keep in touch all my best, like half of my, uh, groomsmen are from gunnery. Um, so that, I mean, it's a place that I'll always hold a special place in my heart. So wearing the C with, uh, with gunnery across my chest was pretty cool. Yeah, that's, that's unreal. And just wearing that C engine, then just keeping your teammates accountable. And for sure, like that's a, that's a huge thing, especially as a captain to keep, make sure you guys are all in line. So I was, was that pretty easy for you? Did you have a good team to, that kept everyone accountable? Yeah. So, uh, it was me and my buddy, uh, Adam DeSanctis who went on to play division three at Wesleyan. Uh, we were the captains that year, but, uh, it was kind of interesting because we were really young that year. We had, we brought a lot of young guys in that year at gunnery. Um, but again, I was, I was hurt most of the year. Right. So a lot of my captain role was off the ice and, uh, it wasn't like keeping guys accountable on the ice because I missed six weeks and the preps prep season so short already. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's easy because when you have a coach and all of our coaches there were great, but when you have a coach trying to set a standard of excellence and, uh, really create that atmosphere and that culture that breeds winning and breeds division one commitments and pros, it's easy because everybody buys in and uh, it makes the captain's job a lot easier. Yeah. That's a great thing to have when everyone's accountable for each other. And then like you breed like the, the winning atmosphere, the, the pro, the, the college division one, like whatever, whatever it is. And just, you know, guys are going to work and work their butts off every day yep yeah absolutely so then going into into college a little bit here you decided to go on to UMass Lowell so like what was the dis- what was the decision like to play and study at Lowell and, and like the amount the like recruiting process you had to go through especially since other teams were recruiting you as well yeah it was it was interesting and uh, looking back it's even more interesting because I went to a small prep school uh a good prep school, a good hockey prep school, a good uh, academic prep school. And then I picked this big public university uh, in Massachusetts. So it's like, I went from this, a big fish in a small pond to a little fish in a big pond. And looking back, it's a strange decision maybe um, because I was talking to schools like Quinnipiac and Yale and smaller private universities like that. And it really came down to probably four or five schools. Um, but at the end of the day, my, me and my dad grew up going to uh, the bean pot. So my goal was to play at Boston University. Um, and I could have went to Boston University, but I felt UMass will fit me better. And I loved the idea of playing in Hockey East, uh, playing in Boston. That was always kind of my, my goal growing up. Um, so the, re- the recruiting process was crazy. And I, it's, a, it's a story that I'll never forget. I can picture in my head. Uh, the first school I ever uh, went to was RPI, uh, Rensselaer, and uh, right outside of Albany. And uh, the coach Seth Appert, he he's the assistant coach with, or he's the head coach now, and uh, with the Rochester Americans. And uh, he brought us in. We went on our tour, went back into his office. I'm with my parents, and he goes, "All right, well, we want to offer Terrence so and so deal to come here." And uh, it was just radio silence because. I had no idea that I was going to get an offer like the one that he gave me. And it was just, it was kind of like a surreal moment for me and for my family that like all this money, all this time that we all three of us put into this and I'm, I'm forever appreciative of my parents doing all that for me, but it all like kind of came full circle. And uh, it was a, it was a really proud moment, but uh, from there kind of, you go to different schools and you, you like, you dislike different schools and coaches turn you on and turn you off and uh, just different things like that. And you uh, must always was, was uh, in the end, I, I don't even know if I would change it because of all the success we had, but it was an interesting four years for sure. Yeah. That's, that's crazy that with like the recruiting process and everything, and then, but then you choose UMass Lowell. It's like, what was UMass Lowell like in, that in just the hockey school and just just being there for four years 
So going, going in, I was a pretty young freshman. Obviously the, the age of freshmen is almost getting older and older. I feel like there's a lot of 20 year old freshmen now. And I was a really young 19 year old. Um, but going in my first, my first preseason game was at our practice drink because there were renovations being done. And I went into that game and we we're playing at Canadian university and I, I only played the second half of the game. So I had to get dressed during the first and second first half of the second period. So like, as I'm getting dressed to go make my college debut, the game is going on, which is really weird when you look back at it. But then after that, we fly out to Minnesota state Mankato and I have three points in my first college game. So I'm like, wow, this is like unbelievable. Like I can really do this. I can really play at this level. And then I always joked that it all went downhill from there, but, um, I had a really good freshman year. I was kind of in and out of hockey's rookie of the week with Scott Wilson and Johnny Gaudreau. It was kind of like a little rotation we almost had. Um, and th those guys are pretty well known. Johnny Gaudreau. Not a bad name to have. Yeah. Johnny Gaudreau is decent, but uh, I, I actually grew up playing with and against him too. So uh, that was cool. But uh, after that uh, I came in, I was recruited under a different coach. So a new coach comes in and he plays what he has his freshman is his first year. And, uh, I was one of those guys that got the opportunity to play a lot. And then as his recruits came in, uh, for lack of a better way to say it, I kind of like fell by the wayside and he wanted his guys to play. So individually, maybe it didn't pan out exactly the way that I wanted it to. Uh, and if you look at my numbers, it's pretty evident that uh, after my first year, it just, it just wasn't the same. But looking back, playing on those teams was so it helped so much because it taught me how to uh, go through adversity, how to be versatile, taught me how to eat better, taught me how to train. It taught me uh, what playing for a number one team in the nation is like. It taught me how to win. Uh, so, and, I mean, there, there were, I would be lying if I said there wasn't thoughts in my head of transferring, but um, at the end of the day, I feel like I'm almost loyal to a fault. Uh, I always stick with things and, um, at that point I was like, well, I could transfer, but then I have to sit out this year. Uh, and do I really want to leave like the best team in the nation? Like maybe I'm not playing as much as I want, but I'm not playing on literally a top five team in the country. So like, it's a, it's a hard thing to pass up. It's kind of, do I care more about the team or about myself? And I could, I probably could have, and should have been a little more selfish and maybe transferred for a better personal, uh, route. But I, I mean, I, I don't regret sticking it out because, um, again, it made me grow so much as a person and as a player. Yeah. What's, what's a sport without having to face adversity? Like you, you face adversity in every sport and everyday life. So like throughout like that process of like thinking about transferring and then not playing as often, like what was your mindset throughout that time? Like, did you take practices like games and just, just try to show your coach that you should be in the lineup and then, or like, what do you do to help yourself stay positive when things were going downhill? Well, th that's another part of growing as a person, because at, at that time I wasn't, I wasn't ready for what was thrown at me. I was probably too mentally immature to kind of go through something like that. Um, and I wouldn't say I handled it poorly, but uh, there were times where I was pissed off and, uh, I wanted others to fail and so that I could go in and play. And it's, I feel like that's almost natural. Um, but yeah, I, I would just go to work and, uh, it, it just didn't work out, honestly, like me, me and my coach, uh, now I don't have a bad relationship with him. Um, I, I would never burn a bridge with him and I can talk to him in a civil manner. And, but at the time we just, we kind of butt heads and I, did things that he didn't want. He did things that I didn't like and so on and so forth. And I can't really complain because we were winning so much. So what am I going to go in and say, like, I want to play like we're on a 10 game win streak. And I'm like, I want to play more. Um, so that it was, it was definitely hard mentally, but uh, after I got out of wall, uh, it was, it was a long three years personally. Um, I, I loved it. And I have a lot of good friends from there. I met my wife there. Um, so a lot of good came from that school, but individually, I really learned how to love hockey again. Uh, my, my rookie year. 
Yeah, and that must have been really tough and everything. Like going into some good times, like what was that? What was the game like when you got three points in your first college game and just just getting those three points and having the first three college points off your shoulders? Yeah, I mean, I mean, going in, you don't know if you're ever going to get a game. You don't even know if you're going to play ever. Um, so to go in and get a chance to play, um, that's pretty it's pretty special just to be able to play in a division one game, honestly. Um, but getting three points, <laughs> the only reason I really, really remember it is because my parents were there. Uh, so that was pretty cool. They flew out to Minnesota to see my first game. So that was, that was special that they could see it. Yeah. That must've been really special. And just having your family there, no matter what game it is, like is, is very special and it's, it's a good time for everyone. Yeah. I mean, my, my mom and my dad have probably made it to, well over half of my hockey games through col through prep school through college and in pro they've made a ton of games which is amazing yeah that's awesome it's like throughout college like what were some of your favorite memories throughout throughout playing college hockey and just th in your three years at Lowell the, I mean the, the first thing you think of with college hockey is the crowd right so at Lowell we had it was like kind of the first wave of UMass Lowell being really good so our, the year before I got there, they won five games. And then the, the year that my class came in, we won 25 and made the tournament. We went to the Elite Eight. Uh, so that was awesome. So this, all four years, the school was just absolutely buzzing. Like ho hockey was it at all. Like you'd see fans wearing jerseys around campus and you, you just felt this constant buzz about our team. People knew that we were producing NHLers, so that was becoming a real prominent thing at the school. But the the couple moments that really stick out for me um, are winning that first hockey title. That was, I mean, being able to be a part of first with anything in life is pretty awesome with a franchise or organization. But um, and I, later on, I got to play in the first Maine Mariners game ever. But um, being able to win that first hockey's championship. It was Jack Parker's last game ever at Boston University. Uh, we won one nothing at a sold-out Boston Garden. Uh, it was just insanity. And then the the next year, we, we, we had Connor Hellbuck for both of them, and he gave up one goal in four games at the Garden. Um, but the next year, like, it sounds so bad, but winning the hockey's title that next year almost like wasn't as fun because he was so dominant. We won both games for nothing. And he just, he stopped everything. And we we're like, we can't lose. We're, we're, we're a very good structural team. And you're like, hell, was so good at net. So um, those are the two that come to mind, the hockey's titles. And then uh, playing at the frozen four was awesome. You get the red carpet and maybe our team wasn't uh, mentally prepared for everything that came with that. But, that whole week was pretty much insane getting like the police escort to the game and playing where you're getting dressed down the hall from where Sid the kid and Malkin are getting dressed. So that was pretty cool. Yeah, that's unreal. And not, not a bad goalie to play in front of when he's putting out, putting up shutouts every, every yeah. game, it seems like. Yeah. He, uh, he gave us a lot of wins. That's for sure. Yeah, for sure. So then after your time at Lowell came to an end, you got you got a shot to play pro with the Peoria Rivermen in the SPHL. It's like, what was the process like to find a pro team that wanted you to come play games like right away and find that place in Peoria? So out of school, I signed in Indy. Uh, my head coach at Lowell found me a spot in France, but I, I didn't want to go overseas right away. Uh, so I find I found a spot with Indy in the ECHL, um, and I got cut because I was a righty and the guy that they we're taking was a lefty. So, uh, 14 days between Indy and, uh, signing with Peoria, I'm living with my buddy in Pittsburgh who was retired. I played with him at Lowell. He is a golf, he was a golf pro, but I was living with him and just skating like a couple of days a week, working out, just kind of hanging out with him because it was like a good midpoint where there was a lot of ECHL teams. I hadn't even thought of the SPHL, uh, and then Peoria calls, and I signed with Peoria and individually it saved my hockey career. Jean-Guy Trudel there played in the NHL. He played uh, in Switzerland for a long time. Uh, he, he let me get back to my game. He let me play power play, penalty kill. I was taking big face-offs, playing the last two minutes of periods. I was playing every situation. So that, that helped a lot. Um, and uh, I was lucky enough to get a call from Adirondack, but 
when I look back at my hockey career, Peoria is really what Peoria and Rapid City are really what jump started two separate parts of my hockey my hockey career. Yeah. So like throughout that time in Peoria, like what was that first taste of pro hockey like and just like the craziness that you'd probably come out come out from playing from at Lowell to playing in the SB like in that transition period, like what was that all like? It was insane. I'm like at Lowell, you're playing on the top team in the country. And now I go to the SPHL and it's like four fights a game. This is my first time wearing a half shield because I never played junior. So I'm going out. I've never worn a a, a half shield in my life, um, except at the flyer development camp. But even that was like not really wearing it. You're just skating. You're doing practices and skills work. Um, So yeah, going out, it, it was chaotic. And Five, six years ago, the SPHL was really physical, ton of fights, probably not as skilled as it is now. That league's very, a very good league now. Um, and back then, it was just – it was different. It was uh, – that people talk about the AHL and the ECHL as the jungle. The SPHL is the jungle, or at least it was back then. And uh, that – it was definitely a, a, a – an awakening for sure that was it was a different type of hockey the pro game is just so different than college in general yeah and that kind of leads into my next question like was like your what the fuck moment like in in when you first got to pro hockey and you're like what is going on here um i probably have two from peoria so uh one of them is about a player i I won't say his name but uh like one of my first road trips was down to louisiana and actually they happened both on the same trip. Um, so the first one is we have a guy on our team. He gets kicked out for elbowing a guy as hard as I've ever seen in the head. Um, so the next game uh, we're in Louisiana and he's on the bus during the game. And he supposedly he asks our bus driver to, to like take him to the uh, gas station to go get like food and stuff. So we get back on the bus and this guy has drank like, 15 Bud Lights. He has like two bags of Doritos around him. And I'm coming from Lowell where I have like a sports nutritionist and all this stuff. And I'm hopping on a bus after a game. And this guy is like trying to fight uh, the, uh, the other team as they come out of their locker room setup. He's like 15 beers deep trying to fight these guys with Doritos in his hands. And it's like, oh man, this is a different life. Um, you're going to find some crazy Western Canadian boys and all that kind of stuff. But that was that was a pretty wild moment when you're trying to fight like eight guys coming out of a locker room. Uh, and then this, the, my on ice uh, moment would probably be, I got elbowed. I kind of caught a pass, like going up the wall and I had to look back, maybe a buddy pass, maybe not, but I was looking back. Guy comes down flying elbow right to my face. I get like 10 stitches up here on, on my face. And again, it's probably my third game wearing a half shield. So I'm like, oh. oh my God, this is not what I signed up for. This is so, brutal. Yeah. So probably a nice conky from that one and 10 stitches later. And uh yeah, those are those are two moments that definitely stick out early in my pro career. Yeah, that that that's insane. Just like both those stories, like off ice and on us, like coming in from college and then going to pro and seeing this, like what the fuck's happening? Yeah, it's why it was wild for sure. So then your first year, you played in 33 games where you wrapped up 12 goals and 11 assists. Like, what was it like getting that first pro goal? And what helped you become so successful at the SPHL level to help you move up to that, to the ECHL? Opportunity. Uh, I, again, just going back to getting the chance to play. And I, I truthfully don't remember my first pro goal. I remember my, my first goal in the ECHL was a tip on the power play but I don't remember my first goal in the SPHL, but toward, towards the end of my, those 33 games that first year in Peoria, um, I got really hot. Like I, I started really to like score and really make plays and really get back to what made hockey fun for me, which was making plays and stuff like that. So I bet in like the last 10 games that I was in Peoria, I probably had like six or seven goals, which probably sparked my call up. Yeah, so you get that call up to Adirondacks. Like, what was, what was it like getting that call and then getting to play 25 games on the coast with Adirondack? Yeah, so that Adirondack team was really 
we were solid. That was a really good team. Uh, we got to the Eastern semis that year and lost in triple overtime game seven to South Carolina. Um, but that was a, that was a fun team, but that call up was wild because I didn't know, I didn't know what to do. So when I got the call to get called up, I'm in Peoria, Illinois, Adirondack, New York's probably 20 hours away. The coach is like, when do you want your flight set up for? And I'm like, ah, no, I'm packing my bags and taking my car. And I drove like 25 hours after playing a three and three, have two days off and then hop into another three and three. So I played six games and eight nights um, with 20, with a 25 hour drive mixed in, like in the middle of winter, going through Buffalo and all the snow. So uh, yeah. It was interesting. For what, sure. what was that like? And just were you, did you get like extremely tired during like that second set of three and three and just were you dead after that last game? Uh, the, the drive sucked, obviously. I think I stopped in like Ohio or something to, to rest. Um, and I, later in the, uh, at my exit meeting, my coach was like, that was pretty ballsy that you drove out here. Like, what if I cut you the next day? I was like, I was like, I would have driven right back, honestly. But, um, no, my first, my first ECHL game, I was a minus three. And I was like, oh. all right, well, actually, I am going right back. Um, but he stuck with me. He's an awesome coach. He's with the Stockton Heat now in the AHL. He's the head coach there. But uh, those guys gave me a chance, too, and I kind of ran with it. Yeah, for sure. So then the following year, you start with the year with Adirondack and Peoria. And then you get loaned to the Rapid City Rush, where you said this is another kickstart in your career. So what was your experience playing in Rapid City and getting another opportunity in the East Coast? Yeah, so that's the second year with Adirondack. We were double affiliated, so I got squeezed out. Uh, so I got cut again, went back to Peoria, kind of found my game again, Kept just kept playing and kind of plugging away and uh, got a chance in Rapid City. When I got there, they were like the worst team in the league. Um, so, I mean, obviously the worst team is going to need to call players just to try and switch things up. So I got a good chance to play and I was playing, uh, I scored a goal in my first game in Rapid City and that like really jump-started my confidence. And then, uh, the next night I was on the power play the next night I was on the first line. So like that kind of like the progression in Rapid City began really quickly. And I got to play with two really good guys, uh, Ryan Walters and, uh, Josh McDonald, who have both had really successful pro careers and we went kind of on a tear there for a little bit playing big minutes for a not so great team but it, it helped me in the end yeah that's awesome that you got that opportunity and it helped you and you got to play with some great players like you said and just boost that confidence as well because like when you're not confident like nothing's going right and then when you get that confidence like you have all the energy in the world and like it seems like everything's going in day in and day out with with getting goals making plays like it's that must have been an unreal feeling especially in the echl yep absolutely so then through throughout the times you've played in the sphl and the echl like what have been some of the things that you noticed about from playing in the echl to playing the SPF and like what did you have to do it to help yourself become a mainstay in the echl from like everything you've learned from both the sba and the coast yeah, I mean, uh, first, I think, comes being a good person. I think uh, being a good guy in the locker room, not kind of being like a jerk off or cocky or anything like that, just kind of getting along with guys kind of helps your reputation among the older guys, and they put in a good word with the coaches. And and then, obviously, producing. You got to you gotta produce. You got to not on the score sheet per se, but you got to go do what they're looking for you to do. Uh, if you have a clear cut role, you need to do that. And I feel like my role was never really solidified because I could be versatile. I could be a third or fourth line grinder. I could be a first line winger. I could play on the power play. I could penalty kill a little bit. Um, so that's kind of where, that's where my pro career, that's where my story of evolution kind of comes is that in the ECHL and not to kind of go away from your question but in the echl and the sbhl i'm looked at to be a score and then when i get called up to the ahl they're like we want you to penalty kill and we want you to win face off so that's what i went out there and did so whatever you, gotta, you, you whatever find, you get the chance to do right you got to find your niche somehow but in the end i probably didn't stick in the ahl because i didn't produce on the score sheet yeah and just like you got the opportunities though and where you were able to play in the echl and the ahl so you can't, you've got those opportunities. You're able to stick out a few games in, in the AHL. So then the following year, 
you get a call up to for your first AHL game with the Binghamton Devils and you got to play four games that season with them. So what was your experience like getting that call up and being in the AHL? That call up was really special. That was uh that's a that's also a day I'll never forget. Um we we had just we had New Year's Eve off and New Year's Day off, which is rare and pro. So we got to have a good time the night before on New Year's Eve. And then the next up. day, yeah, have a couple beers the night before. Um, and then the next morning we were having brunch at this place called the Lake George Beach Club in uh, Lake George uh, when I was in Adirondack. Um, so a lot of girlfriends and wives and friends were up. Uh, but a small group of probably six or seven of us went out to uh, grab brunch, get some mimosas, uh, and watch the uh, – the winter classic that year i forget who it was uh but we were just sitting down to watch the winter classic and i'm like probably three or four mimosas deep and uh i get a call from tom fitzgerald uh with the binghamton devils saying that uh yeah we just we just called you up like we need you to kind of get here and like i had to pull the phone away and like kind of tear up and kind of collect myself because like going from the sp to the ahl is so rare you normally don't get that chance and after all the individual stuff I was going through, I went through a lull. Uh, this was like just an awesome stepping stone. And my, my girlfriend now wife was there. So it was special to kind of go through that moment with her and two of my best buddies were there. Um, so it, it was, that was really special. I'll, I'll remember that day forever because you put in all this goddamn work and it's, it's a long life and put so many miles on your body and so many miles on your hips and your, Oh, it's, it's a lot of hard work. So to, to be seen and be uh, rewarded with something like that, to play in the second best league in America was, I mean, some guys take it for granted and I won't ever take it for granted. Yeah. A special moment for sure. So then going into your first AHL game, like, like you had emotions when you got, you got emotional when you were, you got called the call to get called up. So like, I can't imagine what you were going through, like your first AHL game and just, stepping on the ice during warm I was like what was that all like well I was absolutely jazzed obviously we were in uh Belleville playing against the centers with uh we had uh like Brian Strait was on our team we had a lot of high draft picks Mackenzie Blackwood was on the team uh so a couple of guys who are on the Devils or played with the Devils were there Kevin Rooney who plays with the uh New York Rangers now was there and uh yeah I mean my my first game I, I thought I played some of my best hockey. Honestly, I was just flying. I was, I, I didn't really have anything to lose. You know, like I, I, I got one GP on my elite prospects page with the Binghamton devils in the HL. So my, uh, my, my, um, it was, it was just awesome. Like in my head, I was just playing hockey. I didn't have to think about anything. So I felt like that was like one of them. I played really well that first night uh, it's actually funny. Brian Strait took a shot from the point um, and I deflected it and it went in, but I was too afraid to kind of chisel a, a point or a goal off of a, what, probably a 13 year vet. So I didn't yeah. say anything. And then of course I go 27 more games in my AHL career and never score a goal. Um, so I probably should have said something about that first one, but um, yeah, my first game was, was awesome the, the crowd in Belva was was great and I was actually there for like a month but only got to play four games it was just it did I, I was a healthy scratch a lot and, but at uh, my time there was awesome yeah at least you know that you scored that goal and you you uh the puck entered the net from hitting you so that, yeah, at least you yeah. have that yeah it's a personal thing yeah for sure it's like throughout that time you were in the AHL like you're there for a month playing four games like what what did you learn about the AHL that you took back to the ECHL? Just the speed of the game. You got to do everything a little quicker, a little sharper. Um, it's, yeah, it's just faster. And in some ways it's almost easier to play in the AHL because everybody knows their roles. And in, in the ECHL and in the SBHL, it's not that guys aren't good enough to play in the AHL. It's that guys probably aren't smart enough. Uh, they can't think the game. They can't do. They can't think the game, skate fast, and do everything with the puck as fast as these guys in the AHL. And I, at some, at some points, I felt a little outmatched because, again, like you can't like doing all of that 
is uh, so high end and so elite um, that it's it's just crazy. Um, but yeah, when I when I went back to the ECHL after my time in Bingo, I heated up real a lot. Uh, I had a good like after I got back from Binghamton, I had a ton of confidence. Um, so I, and and the next year when I played in Hartford, I it was kind of different. But when I got back from Bingo after that first call up. I, I kind of went on a roll and that that was the closest team I've ever been on was that Adirondack team. And we lost in the Eastern finals that year, but yeah, going up and down is, it's definitely a, me- a mental grind. Yeah, for sure. So then the last two years you spent the season in Maine with the Maine Mariners. How special is it playing in Maine knowing that you were a, that you're a mainstay in Maine? Yeah. So after my year in Adirondack, I just said that that team was the closest, but you could tell at the end of the year, guys were going different places, going to Europe, signing AHL deals, whatever. That that team just wasn't going to be the same. And I heard that the, my dad, my parents retired and got a house in Maine. So we had been there for a couple summers now. Um, so when we found out that the Mariners were going to be there, I was like, hey, like, it's nothing against you guys. But like, is there any way we can sort out a trade so I can kind of go play at home, quote unquote. Um, so they made it happen. And I. Uh, I have a really good relationship with Riley Armstrong, uh, the head coach in Maine now, and they made it happen. And I got to play in the first uh, Maine Mariners game and uh, I had the A on my chest. So it was, I mean, it was was special to come back and play in Maine. Yeah. So like, what was like playing that first Maine game, getting the A on your jersey and like the fan base there? Because the fan base seems pretty incredible and just, they're so passionate about the main Mariners. Yeah. So night one was awesome. It was, it was sold out. It's probably 6,000 people there, uh, but it was a weird game. We were playing against Adirondack. So I opened up against my old team, um, but it was a weird game. It was almost like our fans didn't know what to do. That hockey was back. It was like kind of quiet. We went down three, nothing really early. Um, so everyone's like, Oh God, here we go. Welcome back to me. Yeah. Yeah. Welcome back. And, and we're on the bench. Like, Oh my God, are we going to go like, Oh, and 72, what the hell's going to happen here? Uh, but we made the game. We finished out. I think we lost five, three. Yeah. That's, that's not bad at all. And just you, uh, compared to how it started like that, you couldn't ask for anything better than Could that. Could have been a lot worse. Exactly. So then throughout that season, you earn a earn you earn a call up to the AHL with the Hartford Wolf Pack and you play in 23 games with one assist. So what did you learn about your second goal in the AHL with Hartford and just being being in Hartford? Yeah, being in Hartford was uh it, that was I mean, obviously I was there a lot longer than I was in Binghamton. So I got to that started to feel like home, even though I was in a hotel the whole time. Um but I was going up and down like the whole year. So I could never get super comfortable anywhere. Um, It it was almost like I spent two weeks here, two weeks there. And I was just driving up and down 95, three hours each way, like every couple of weeks. But that was great. And that was the place that was like, we want you to block shots. We want you to penalty kill. We want you to win face-offs. And I did that. And um, so like in my mind, I was like, okay, like if I do all this, I don't really need to score. I'm on the fourth line. We have scores. I'm not here to do that. Um, but in the end, like when I look back, I probably should have played a little more aggressively offensively to maybe earn an AHL deal that, that next season. But I mean, it was, it was great. I got to play with like half the Rangers roster right now. So that was, that was pretty cool. Yeah. That, that must've been sick, especially with all the, all the guys that are up with the Rangers now. It's like throughout like your time up in Hartford, like who are some of your favorite favorite moments from that, from that season with Hartford? Um, what, one of the, like the wow moments for me was my road roommate was Matt Bolesky. Um, so obviously he had a great NHL career. He scored that huge goal in game seven with Anaheim. Um, so, I mean, it was cool to get to know, like he was pretty much an established NHL or at one point and maybe the, the tail end of his career didn't go exactly how he planned, but, it was cool to get to know him and uh, I'm, I'm rooming with a guy making like $4 million and I'm making like pennies to the dollar, but I was, it was cool to get to know him, but it, it was awesome to travel. 
Uh, I played with like Peter Holland, who played with the Leafs for a while. Uh, Vinny Letiri, who's in Anaheim. Um, Shesterkin, um, Booniavis, a lot, a lot of these. Uh, Ryan Lane, a lot of Lee decent Brown. players. Yeah, a lot of really good players. So that that was a it was cool, and the Rangers were kind of going through that like uh, re- rebuild. So a lot of these good prospects were coming in. I don't have like a real one moment in Hartford that wowed me, but it was a, it was a really good experience. Yeah. That, that's awesome that you got to experience all that. So transitioning a little away from hockey and in a stall stories a little bit here. So earlier this year, you and your co-host Dylan Fox, who we also had on the, on the show earlier, this, you guys decided to create a podcast called stall stories. Like what were the origins to the creation of stall stories? Um, so I put out a tweet asking, does anybody have any good podcasts? And uh, Foxy tweets back, why don't we just start our own? So that's really where it started, um, which is kind of funny. But uh, yeah, it's been fun. It's a lot of work. Um, it's it's just, it's honestly like me and him were always kind of like the uh, guys in the locker room that would keep it loose and uh, felt like we had some good stories and kind of made a joke out of everything. Um, so we felt like it was kind of like a good uh just like a good good fun thing to do i don't think we take it too seriously we're not trying to be spitting chicklets we're not trying to be anything like that uh we just like to talk and kind of shoot the breeze with guys and uh hear stories and allow other people like kids who are in my program or uh, do my camps and clinics and allow them to hear stories from pros and uh different from different avenues yeah that's what it's all about is just letting the letting these guys stories tell like about their careers like these the experiences these guys have had like it's pretty incredible when you sit down and like you you talk to these guys like I'm talking to you right now and just ever just all the experiences and everything that these guys have gone through is it's incredible yeah it's also hilarious like some of these stories you can't make up they're they're absolutely ridiculous oh yeah for sure so like what who's been some of your favorite guests that you've had on the show and like whether it be like a bunch of like this guy just showed just shared a bunch of funny stories like just just chill and relax like who's been some of your favorite guests to have on so our our first guest was jim jackson the announcer of the philadelphia flyers so that was pretty cool because me and foxy grew up in philly so he was like the voice of our childhood so that was a really that was an awesome one that, that was probably my favorite one but then uh we kind of rolled through people that we knew and guys who we knew had good stories so uh, a guy like Derek Army, who I played at Gunnery with, he's the he played uh, in the AHL, ECHL. He's the assistant coach in Wheeling now. Um, he was a he was a great one. He had some good stories. So if you guys want to listen to that, go listen to his epi. And then uh, this past one we just did with Dylan Zink was good. It was really insightful. I played with him at Lowell. He uh, he went to Lowell, played three years pro. He went overseas. He played for Wilkesbury and Wheeling, and uh, and now he returned back to school to the college side and now he's the director of hockey ups there so that was a cool episode but we've had some good ones some really good ones yeah that, that's unreal there's always stories that you could pick pick and just like that they're super funny and like you can just it it's a it you can't even explain it like and like it's hard to choose choose your favorite guest like everyone has a special place and in, in the heart of of the co-host the host like it's, yeah it's awesome yeah, it's been it's been fun. We uh, who who knows how much longer we'll go, but it, it's fun and it, hopefully it can can continue. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, Terrence, I have a few more questions for you before we get this thing wrapped up. So, do you have any tips for hockey players looking to get to that next level? Uh, become a student of the game. Uh, raw talent is only going to get you so far. You need to understand the game. You need to uh, learn how to get to spots and where to be good you need to learn learn how to be good along the yellow and along the walls uh there's so many different lanes for kids to get better now lanes that i didn't have when i was young like these kids have can sit on instagram for 10 hours and pick up skills like that and it's like we didn't have that our us getting better was just by playing and now kids have video and they have skill coaches and all this to to a certain extent it's maybe a little overdone but um just first off enjoy it but second off work hard and become a student of the game 
Yeah, that's a great tip. And it's, it's crazy to think how things have developed since like you were, you were in youth hockey and then just growing up and just with, with that, it's like, it's incredible to think back, like how different things were back then. Yeah. It's very different. Yeah, absolutely. So what has been a favorite city that you visited in your career? Favorite city. Um, honestly, Portland, Maine's right up there and I live in downtown now. So that's, that's probably a good thing. Um, <laughs> Boise, Idaho is awesome. A very underrated town. We got to go out there for St. Patty's day, which was a lot of fun. Um, where else have I been? Uh, I love Charlotte, North Carolina played against the checkers down there a couple of times. Charleston, South Carolina is amazing. Um, there's good towns everywhere. You can make, you can have fun in any town. Yeah, I if there's used, if there's yeah, a for sure if there's a bar and a good group of guys, you can have fun anywhere. Oh yeah, hundred percent agree with you there. So my final question for you is, what's what's your favorite pump up song? Are you trying to get a little lift in pregame warm ups? Like, what are you listening to? Oh man, I'm a big like uh, I like Kygo and stuff. I like that kind of vibe. I like all kinds of music, but if I'm like really trying to get fired up, I like some. Uh, I like Meek Mill. I like him in the locker room. He fires me up a bit. Yeah, that that that's awesome. Those are some great picks. So, Wally, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate your time and want to wish you the best of luck going forward with the podcast and hockey and everything in between. I really appreciate you coming on. Thanks for having me, brother. Good luck with everything. Yeah, th no problem. Thank you.